new series. Let's begin to, to study uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and begin to study the subject of faith. Lord, I thank you for uh, those that would uh, come back to church on a, on a Sunday night and on Mother's Day. And I know that they, it's been a busy weekend for everyone. And Lord, I pray you just help us to be able to learn what you would have for us tonight and to not spend more time than we need to. We love you, Lord. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Hebrews chapter number 11. And I'm sure as we were reading through there, you could see why this chapter is often referred to as the Hall of Faith. There are certain chapters in the Bible that talk about uh, certain things. Hebrews 11 talks about faith. 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection. Uh, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about charity and, and you know, the subject of, of love there. And uh, Hebrews 11 is all about faith. And he goes through and highlights all these different Old Testament characters that exercise great faith. And we're going to go through those stories and through those characters and, and, and see what we can learn in regards to faith. But tonight we're just kind of going to do an introductory sermon into the subject of faith and the hall of faith. And I want you to understand what faith is. And in Hebrews 11, as he goes through and talks about all these characters with faith, in verse number 1, the Bible gives us a definition for the word of faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is... Okay, so he's going to explain to us what faith is. Notice, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is a biblical definition for the word faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I can't do any better than that definition, but I'd like to kind of help explain that definition a little bit tonight as we get into to this subject of faith, and you've got to understand this, the word faith, and there's a lot, we're going to look at a lot of verses tonight, and, and I, could, I could go through a lot, I, I went through and read every verse in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, in preparation for this series and this sermon tonight, I went through and read every reference in scripture, I think, I, I want to say it was like 440 some odd verses in the Bible that use the word faith, and I went through and just read every single one of them, just to get an idea of what the Bible teaches about faith, and you've got to understand this, the the word faith means to trust. It means to put your confidence in. If I put my faith in something, then I'm putting my trust and my confidence. And the word believing, you know, the word faith and believe are the same word. you got to understand, faith is like the noun. And believe is like the verb. Does that make sense? Faith is a concept of believing, but when I when someone believes, they are doing faith. They are performing the action of faith. Does that make sense? So when you read the word believe, you read the word faith, it's the same word in scripture. But the Bible tells us here, and we find in Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The, the definition of the word faith is this. And what, what the Bible is explaining is this. Faith is trusting God, but you got to understand this, it's trusting God based on His Word. And it's not only trusting God based on His Word, but it is trusting God based on His Word with no physical evidence to prove that. Now, I want to I show you that in the Bible. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse number 3, okay? The Bible says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed. Now notice this. By the word of God. Do you see that? So, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And you've got to understand this. You will find a connection in the Bible between faith and the word of God. Here we see it. It's through faith, by the word of God. Keep your finger there in Hebrews 11. We're going to come back to it. But go with me real quickly to Romans chapter number 10. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 10. And look at verse number 8. And let me kind of just prove this point to you. That the word of God... Faith is always connected to the Word of God. Romans chapter number 10, if you look at verse 8, the Bible says, Romans chapter 10 and verse 8, it says, but what saith it? The Word is nigh thee. Okay, so make note of the, 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 the reference to the Word. The Word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is, notice this phrase, the Word of faith. You see that? Which we preach. So the Bible there tells us that the Word is the Word of faith. Go to, you're there in Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Skip down to verse number 17. Romans chapter number 10 and verse 17. I want you to see the connection to the Word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing, notice this, by the Word of God. You see that? So the Word of God is always connected to faith. Faith is this, trusting God, putting your confidence in God, putting your trust in God, your faith in God, but it's always connected to His Word. And you've got to understand this, because I, I, uh, sometimes people will make foolish decisions, and sometimes people will make silly decisions, and even churches and ministries will make bad decisions. And they'll say, you know, uh, I think I've got to do this. And they'll say, I'm stepping out by faith. But you've got to understand this. Every time you step out by faith, you have to connect that to God's Word. It's got to be connected to the Bible. And you know, if you were to come to me and say, you know, Pastor Jimenez, and I, I'm going to use the example of finances because finances is easy for all of us to understand. But if somebody was to come to me and say, Pastor Jimenez, I'm going to just give 100% of my income to God. And just let God you know, take care of me financially. Now, I would say, you know, I appreciate the donation, but I would say that's silly. That's dumb. Nowhere in the Bible does God tell you to give Him 100% of your income. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I've been to churches. I, churches, when I was growing up, I went to churches where they had full check Sunday. You know, and it was like, on this Sunday, everyone's just going to give their entire paycheck to God. And it was this big day, you know, full check Sunday, and they're like, just put your faith in God. God's going to take care of you. But here's what you understand. The Bible never tells you to give your full check to God. So you can say, well, I'm stepping out by faith, and it may be a good thing, and it may be a nice thing, and you may do be doing it, because you love God. I mean, would you not say that someone who gave their entire check to God loves God? But it's foolish, because faith always has to be connected to the Word of God. Now, if someone said to me, Pastor Menace, I cannot tithe. I cannot give 10% of my income to God. Because if I do that, then I won't have enough money to live off. I would say, hey, you should tithe and trust God and put your faith in God that He'll take care of you. But see, I can connect that to God's Word. Do you understand that? God tells you to do it so you can step out by faith and say, well, I don't know how bills are going to get paid. I don't know how it's all going to be done. But I'm going to just take God at His Word. I'm going to give Him the 10% and let Him deal with the rest. And look, that is stepping out by faith when you can connect it to God's Word. But just to get up and say... You know, churches will say, we need to build this big mega church building, and we don't have the money, and we don't have the resources, and we're going to go get in all this debt, but God's going to take care of us. And look, the Bible never tells you to do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you've got to connect faith to the Word of God. And sometimes we do things, and they're noble things, and they're nice things, and they're proving our love for God. But if you can't connect it to God's Word, it's not faith, it's just foolishness. Faith is trusting God based on His Word. But you've got to understand this. With no physical evidence. 
with nothing that you can see. See, you, 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 you're basing your faith, you're basing your confidence on God's Word. But as soon as you can see something, as soon as there's physical evidence, then you, it's no longer faith. And you've got to understand this. Go to 1 Corinthians. You're there in Romans. Uh, flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. I'm sorry, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's where I want you to go first. We're going to go back to 1 Corinthians 2. But look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You've got to understand, the Bible, not only does it connect faith to God's Word, but the Bible also tells us what faith is not. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and look at verse number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. The Bible says, For we walk by faith. And you'll find that throughout Scripture. It says, The just shall live by faith. That's in the Old Testament. That's in the book of Romans. It's here in 2 Corinthians. We saw it in Hebrews. And we wrote it in the bulletin there. For we walk by faith. Now you got to understand this. What does it mean to walk by faith? It means not by sight. Do you see that? So we walk by faith, not by sight. Here's what's interesting. Keep your finger there in, in verse or 2 Corinthians and go back to Hebrews chapter number 11. You will find that faith means that you're trusting God to do something based on His Word, but you cannot see physically. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, not seen. Do you see that? For we walk by faith, not by sight. And it's interesting, as you go through Hebrews chapter 11, which is the faith chapter, which is the chapter that is explaining faith, is a chapter that explains, you will find that through the chapter, God is constantly reminding us of the things we see. Look at Hebrews 11 1 again. Now faith is something, something so forth, the evidence of things not seen. Skip down to verse number 3, look what he says. Through faith we understand that the world were framed by the word of God, so that, notice this, things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. You see the emphasis on the things you can see and the things you can't see? Look at verse number 7, Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter number 11, verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God, notice what it says, of things not seen as yet. Did you know, you know, we all know the story of Noah. We know that God flooded the earth. And that's an amazing story to us. If God would come to you right now and say, I'm going to flood the earth, which God would never tell you that because he said he wouldn't destroy the earth with a flood anymore. He's going to destroy the earth later on with fire. But if God were to come to you right now, just to say hypothetically, and say to you, you know, I'm going to flood the earth with, with rain. In 120 years, I'm going to destroy the whole earth. I need you to build an ark. Okay, if God said that to us now, it would be a huge step of faith for you to go to Home Depot and start buying some 2 by 4s and start building an ark. I mean, would you not agree? But here's what makes the story of Noah even more interesting. Up to the point of, of Noah, it had never rained on the earth. I mean, Noah had never seen rain. I mean, we've seen rain. And if God said, I'm going to destroy the earth with rain... So start building ark. That would be a step of faith, but Noah had never even seen rain. I mean, look at what it says, verse 3. Through faith we understand, I'm sorry, verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet. Noah had never seen rain. Noah had never known rain. The Bible's very clear that, you know, up to that point, it had never rained on earth, but he moved with fear, prepared or not to the saving of the house of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness which is by faith so I just want you to see the connection faith is this when you trust God at his word God says I'm going to flood the earth God said it so I'm going to trust it I've never seen it I've got no evidence because this is faith faith is not by sight look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11 look at verse 13 
These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Notice this. But having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Look at verse 27. We saw this this morning when we were talking about uh, Moses and his mother. But Hebrews 11.27 By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Why? For he endured as seeing him who was invisible. So I want you to see the connection between faith and just not being... Because if you can see something, then it's not faith anymore. Do you understand that? Faith has to be connected to God's word. Faith is trusting. Faith is putting your confidence in God based on His word. And it's can't, And as soon as you see something, as soon as you see the physical, it's no longer faith. Because faith is a substance of things hoped for. How do we hope for it? Because we read it in God's word. And it is the evidence of things not seen. So you need to understand what faith is. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not something we get in our stomach. Faith is not something we feel. Faith is not the goosebumps you get, you know, when you uh, when something happens. Faith is trusting and having confidence in God based on His Word. And it's, it's something that we haven't seen. It's something that is not proven. There's no evidence for it. Now it's interesting because God explains to us in this chapter here, He gives us some uh, examples of, of when we need to, uh, you know, exercise faith. Look at, look at Hebrews 11, look at verse 6. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 6. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. Now notice this, okay? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Bible says, he that cometh to God must believe, that's the word faith, that he is. You have to exercise faith to believe in God. When people, sometimes I'll be out soul winning and people will you know, want to debate with me, these atheists, and they'll say, prove to me that there's a God. And I always tell them, I can't prove that to you. Because as soon as I give you evidence, as soon as I give you something physical to look at, it's no longer faith. And the Bible says that he that cometh to God, if you're going to come to God, you've got to believe, you've got to have faith, you've got to have confidence. Now that doesn't mean you just believe, you know, it doesn't mean you just believe, you know, blindly. Even though it's not seen. Because we are, being, we are seeing the word of God. You believe based on the Bible. And, and that's why you should come to church and you should have a Bible with you and you should follow along as we go through scriptures because you should not just believe what I say because I said it. You shouldn't just believe what Pastor Jimenez says because of my position as a pastor. Your faith should be placed on the Word of God. But it's not seen in this world. And here it says, He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently see. So look, just to believe in God requires faith. Not only does he give us the example of, of uh, faith, of, of believing in God requiring faith, but he also gives us the example of creation. Look at verse number 3, Hebrews 11. I know we're looking, we're kind of looking tonight at the random verses in Hebrews, the ones that aren't connected to a Bible character. Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 3. Through faith we understand, notice, that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Okay, you say, do you guys believe that God created the earth? Yes, I do. I believe in creation. I believe that God created the heavens and the earth in seven literal days. Prove that to me. I can't. You accept it by faith. Look, the Bible teaches, and people say, well, you're so, you're uneducated, and you're, but you got to understand this. We never said that we could prove it. 
In fact, we've said the exact opposite. When you come to God, you come to God by faith, trusting in God's Word. But you you understand, God's Word will create faith in your heart. But you've got to come to Him at His Word, believing what the Bible says. Now, here's what's interesting, okay? Hebrews 11, 3. The, word, the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. So, according to Hebrews 11, 3, how, was the, how were the worlds created? They were created by the Word of God, right? Keep your finger there. Go to John chapter number 1. Let me show you something kind of interesting about the creation story, and I know some of you have seen this before. Let me show it to you again. John chapter number 1 and verse 1. Hebrews 11.3 says that they were created by the word of God. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and He spoke the word into existence. Remember, as you study Genesis 1, you'll see that God spoke. You know, He said, let there be light. And He said these different things. John 1.1 1, 1 says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now look at verse 3. All things were made by Him. Who's the Him? The Word. He says, all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. So see, John 1, 1 tells us that the Word created all things. Verse 14, John 1, 14 tells us, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And you've got to understand this, and you've got to accept this by faith. I can't explain it to you either. But you've got to understand this. Jesus is the Word. The Bible says, The Word was made flesh. The Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. But it's interesting because John 1.3 says all things were made by Him, by the Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Hebrews 11.3 says the world were framed by the Word of God. You say, can you prove creation? I can't prove it to you. You've got to accept it by faith. But, but you've got to understand this because we as Christians sometimes, we, we, we get on the defensive. You know, we let the world kind of just, you know, bully us around and make us think that because I, I take a creation, you know, position that I'm some sort of Neanderthal and I'm some sort of uneducated buffoon. But you got to understand this. Okay, my wife was out soul winning. Uh, just, I think she was telling me this was earlier this week or maybe a couple weeks ago. And she started this, this person and they're, you know, they're just an atheist. And, and my wife used to be an atheist. When I met her, she was an atheist. She did not believe in God. And, you know, eventually she, uh, you know... God has preached to her, she, she put her faith in Jesus Christ. But you know, these, these people, they try to come to you and they, and they act like, you know, they've got all the signs to prove. you got to understand this. Evolution takes just as much faith to believe in evolution as it does to believe in God. Evolution is a theory. Evolution has not been proven. There is no scientific evidence. All the scientific evidence that they have to try to prove evolution, a creationist can take the exact same evidence to try to prove creationism. But you've got to understand this. You, you can't prove one or the other. Nobody was here. Nobody was alive. Nobody knows what happened. But, you know, it takes faith to believe evolution. And they try to make it sound like it's scientific. They try to make it sound like, you know, books talk about it. Hey, I've got a book that teaches that God created the heavens and the earth. You know, well, it's in the textbook. What about this textbook? And they try to, you know, they try to tell you all these things. And they'll say, you know, well, a monkey is so similar to a human that it had to have just been that it evolved. But look, we, no one has ever seen a monkey give birth to a human. No one has ever seen a you know, dinosaur turn into a bird. Evolution makes no sense. It's not real. And see, people say, well, it's so similar. So it had to have been, you know, that they came from each other. But have you ever thought about this? They were all created by the same God? 
I mean, maybe we're all so similar because we were created by the same person. Uh, you know, I, I've heard people give this illustration, but if you've ever seen like a Thomas Kincaid picture, you know, artwork, guess what? They're all very similar. They're different, but you can tell. I can, I can look at a Thomas Kincaid picture and know, oh, this is Thomas Kincaid. Because it's got the same style. Why has it got the same style? Because it came from the same person. And you know, there are similarities between us and different creatures on planet Earth, but maybe it's because we were all created by the same God. So see, they have all this quote-unquote evidence, but it's not evidence, evolution. Here's what you got to say. It takes just as much faith to believe in evolution as it does to believe that God created the heavens and the earth. And which one would you rather believe? That there is an almighty God that loves us and created us in His image? Or would you rather believe that nothing exploded and created everything? It doesn't even make any sense. One day there was nothing, then nothing exploded, and nothing created everything. I mean, it makes more sense to believe the Bible. But I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that, you know, we got all this evidence to prove, we have no evidence to prove God, we have no evidence to prove creation. If you're going to believe in God, and you're going to believe in creation, you're going to have to believe it by faith in God's Word. Why do you believe in God? Because God tells us. The Bible tells us that there is a God. Why do you believe in creation? Because the Bible tells us. And by the way, God never saw fit to prove himself to mankind. Read Genesis 1. Why doesn't Genesis 1 start like this? In the beginning, let me tell you the story about God. It doesn't start like that. It starts like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, God does not feel a need to explain himself to us. He just tells us. He tells us, I exist. He said, I, you know, I created everything. And he said, you can take it or you can leave it, but that's what my word says. And you've got to understand, that is faith. Go to Romans chapter number 3. So he gives us examples about faith and existing in God. Faith and creation. But go, go to Romans chapter number 3. Romans chapter number 3. And, and you just got to understand, you know, don't get intimidated by these people trying to explain to you evolution. Evolution is false. Evolution doesn't even make sense. They talk about, you know, n- nobody believes in instant evolution. No, you know, when I say, I'll, I'll tell people, like, why has no, you know, monkey ever given birth? Why can't we see, like, today, a monkey give birth to a human being? Or why can't we see, like, a dog give birth to, like, a bird? Or whatever, you know. Why can't we see that, you know? And, and here's what they say. They say, well, there's no such thing as instant evolution. It takes millions and millions of years. Okay, well, where are those half-monkey, half-humans right now? Where are those half dinosaur, half birds right now? And the whole thing is just silly. I mean, to think, you know, they, they teach that dinosaurs turn into birds. I don't know if you know that. But, you know, evolution, their little catchphrase is a survival of the fittest. But you've got to understand that this dinosaur that lost all four of its limbs over thousands of years and then kind of sprung up these, you know, wings so that it could fly, you know, in the process of it losing its limbs and gaining these birds, you know, for these, these wings and feathers for thousands and thousands of years. How did that freak survive? I mean, what would you rather be? A dinosaur with four legs, a small bird with wings, or this half-bird, half-dinosaur kind of just creepy-looking thing? There's evolution is just silly. It makes no sense. And they try to hide behind the textbooks. And here's the only difference between evolution and creation, is that we admit it takes faith, and they try to make it seem like it's, you know, scientific, but it's not. 
They, they, they try to make it seem like there's proof for it, but there's no proof. You need to accept it by faith, and they need to just stop teaching that garbage. And here's why they wanted to make it sound like a scientific, because they want to take our tax dollars to do it. See, at least we're honest enough to say, hey, I don't want the government involved in, in the church, and we'll fund our own you know, promoting of the gospel. But they want to just take our taxes to brainwash our children and teach them that there is no God and teach them that we came from a monkey and we came from a, you know, the monkey came from a bird that came from a fish that came from a guppy or something, you know, that came from, you know, minerals in the water, that came from a rock, that came from, you know, a cloud raining upon the rock. And it's like, well, where did the rock come from? And where did the cloud come from? Well, it came, and it's like, it comes from nothing. It's just a fairy tale. It doesn't, it's not true. But here's what I'm here to tell you. I got no proof for creation either. I just know this. It's by faith. God's Word. Are you there in Romans chapter number 3? Look at verse 28. Not only is existence of God through faith, not only is creation through faith, but you've got to understand this. And this is why this subject is so important. Salvation is through faith. Romans 3.28 says this. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified. How does a man get justified? By faith. Notice this. Without the deeds of the law. And today so many people want to teach that you got to keep the law. you got to do the commandments. you got to live a good life. And if you don't, you know, once you get saved, if you don't do all the things the Bible says, then you could lose it or you never had it. But the Bible is very clear. A man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So could a man not keep the deeds of the law and still be justified by faith? It's very clear. Of course he can. Romans chapter 4, look at verse 5. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. But to him that worketh not. Okay, does it say to him that worketh a little bit? Does it say to him that did some work? It says, but to him that worketh not. But here's what this guy did. This guy, this guy was a loser of a Christian. Okay, this guy never showed up to church. This guy never showed up for soul winning. This guy never read his Bible. This guy did absolutely no works. But to him that worketh not. But here's what this guy did. He believeth on him that justified the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. So, you know, people like to go to James chapter 2 and talk about faith without works is dead. But according to Romans 4, 5, can you have faith without works? It's very clear, you can't. But to him that worketh not, this guy had no works, but here's what he did have, faith. But believeth on him that justified the God that his faith is counted for righteousness. Look at Romans chapter 9, look at verse 32. Romans 9, 32, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this salvation part, because I know you guys know this already. Romans 9, 32. And we'll talk about it more next week, actually, um, as we get into the story of Abel. Romans chapter 9, verse 32. The Bible says, Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. They said, look, there are people today that are falling all over Jesus Christ. He's the, he's the rock of offense. He's the stumbling stone. That's why people say to me, I was offended by what you said. I think I said, well, Christ is the rock of offense. He offends. Jesus didn't come to bring peace to earth. He came to bring a sword, is what the Bible says. But, you know, people are stumbling all over Jesus Christ because they can't understand that salvation is putting your faith and your confidence and your trust in Jesus Christ. And they say, no, no, it's got to be my works. No, no, it's got to be the fact that I went to the confessional booth. It's got to be the fact that I got baptized. It's got to be the fact that I repented of my sins. It's got to be the fact that I gave money in the offering plate. And all of those things are good. But if you're trusting in those things to send you to heaven, you're tripping over Jesus Christ. Because it's by faith in Jesus Christ. 
And you got to understand, faith does not just mean, you know, people get this idea like, well, can you get saved just because you believe, you know, in God? Believing in God doesn't save anybody. The Bible tells us that the devils believe in God in trouble. Okay? So it's not just having a, you know, I believe that God exists. That's not what faith for salvation is. Faith for salvation is, I am putting my trust in Him to take me to heaven when I die. My confidence is in Christ. It's not in my religion. It's not in the way I live my life. It's not anything that I've ever done. I have my confidence in Him. You say, why would you do that? Because the Bible tells me. And faith is always connected to God's Word. Go to Matthew chapter number 8. Matthew chapter number 8. So I, I want you to explain, and I know tonight is very much kind of introductory, but I want you to understand what faith is. Faith is trusting God based on His Word with no physical evidence. You have to have faith to believe in God. You have to have faith to believe in creation. You have to have faith to uh, be saved. Okay, you need all that. But I want to talk about something, you know, the Bible talks about people, Jesus Christ would often say this, he would say, oh ye of little faith. And you know, you, you may ask your, this question, and you, maybe you've asked yourself this question before, or maybe you've thought this, but how do you know if you have little faith? And the Bible very clearly teaches us how to know if you've got little faith. Are you there in Matthew chapter number 8? Look at verse 23. And I want you to see a connection that God makes between faith and, and, and a certain word here. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23, the Bible says, And when he was entered into the ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. Remember the story? Jesus in the ship. There arose a great storm, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. I, this is like one of my favorite stories in the Bible. You're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. There's a storm, and Jesus is just sleeping in the ship. He's not worried. Verse 25, And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Now notice what they said, okay? They say, Lord, save us! We perish! And he saith unto them, Now I want you to notice this, okay? Why are ye fearful? You see that word fearful? And then notice the connection that God makes to their fear. He says, Why are ye fearful? He says, Oh, ye of little faith. So you've got to understand this. Fear is the opposite of faith. And faith is the opposite of fear. And whenever you are fearful of anything other than God, obviously the Bible tells us that we ought to fear the Lord. But whenever you're afraid of something, it's because you have a lack of faith. Because Jesus is constantly rebuking his disciples and saying, Why are you so fearful? He says, oh, ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey? Go to, go to Matthew chapter number 14. Let me show you another example. Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew chapter 14, look at verse 25. Matthew chapter number 14 and verse 25, the Bible says, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. So here's a different story, same Sea of Galilee, same storm, but now Jesus is not with them sleeping. The disciples are in the midst of a storm, and Jesus isn't with them. And Jesus walks on water to meet them, out in the middle of the storm, verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is it a spirit? You know, I think you and I would think that too. If we're out in the middle of the sea and we see something walking towards us on the water. They're like, is it a spirit? Is it a ghost? What's going on? Saying, is it a spirit? And they cried out for, notice here's the word, fear. 
But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, I love these just one word answers that Jesus gives. Peter says, if it's really you, I mean, you got to understand, you know, when you're reading the Bible, don't just read through it. You've got to get in the story. They're in the ocean. They're in the sea. Sea of Galilee. And, you know, there's a storm. They're afraid. Jesus is walking on water. He says, don't be afraid. It's not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. It's me, Jesus. And Peter says, if it's really you, Jesus, then call me to come walk on water towards you. And Jesus, no hesitation, verse 29, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, now, now don't, don't miss this. Peter is a human like you and I. When he was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I mean, that must have been cool. That must have been like, I mean, I can't wait to get to heaven to ask Peter, like, what did it feel like to walk on water? I mean, he was walking on water with Jesus. He's going, and one of these days I ought to preach a sermon out of this. I mean, there's just so many things you can learn from this. But look at verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, so here's the problem. Peter is walking on water towards Jesus, but there's still a storm. There's still wind, it's blowing, it's boisterous. Now notice this. But when he saw the wind boisterous, notice this, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. When, when Peter has his eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, he can do anything. He can even walk on water. But as soon as he takes his eyes off the Lord, and he begins to look around at the circumstances around him, at the storms of life around him, he gets afraid, and he begins to sink. And you guys understand, this is the same thing that happens to you and I. We start, we get our eyes off of Jesus and we start looking at the economy, we start looking at our businesses, at our jobs, at our relationships, and we start looking at this, we start looking at that, and we think, oh man, you know, they elected this guy, and now they did this, and they passed this law, and we start looking at all the things around us, and we get all scared. But here's the thing, you can walk on water, as long as your eyes are on Jesus. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me, verse 31. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, now notice what he says, O thou of little faith, wherefore dost thou doubt? And when did he lose his faith? When he got afraid. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Go to Mark chapter 5. Let me show you one more example. Mark chapter 5. I want you to see, having little faith is connected to being afraid, to being fearful. It's connecting to doubting God. Matthew 5, look at verse 22. Matthew, I'm sorry, did I say Matthew? Mark 5, verse 22. Mark 5. Matthew, then the book, Mark 5, 22. Look what it says. Mark 5, 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hand on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. So this guy comes running to Jesus, drops down to his feet, you know, and is down groveling at the feet of Jesus. He says, My little, I mean, I, could you imagine just having a daughter that is at the point of death, and, and you have access to Jesus Christ? This guy comes in, my daughter lies at the door of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hand on her, that she may be healed. And she shall live. She says, Jesus, you come with me and put your hand on my daughter. I believe that she will be healed. Verse 24. And Jesus went with him. 
Now you gotta understand this. At this point, this guy's gotta be rejoicing his heart. He's thinking, my daughter's gonna die. I need help. No one can help me. He comes to Jesus, and Jesus turns around and says, I'll go with you. And Jesus went with him. And much people followed him. And thronged him. Now look at verse 25, okay? And, and you gotta put yourself in the shoes of this father. He said, my daughter is at the point of death. She can die at any moment. Jesus, will you come and help me? And Jesus says, I'll go. And he goes. And a lot of people follow. But then a woman gets in the way. Verse 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. This woman just comes, the, the word press there means, there's a big group there, and she, she kind of gets in the midst of them, and gets up to Jesus, and the Bible says, that she, she just touched him. Verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, he shall be whole, or I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So she touches just the garment of Jesus, and the moment that he touches, she believes in her heart, the virtue, the power comes out of Christ into her, and she's healed instantly. Verse 30, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now you got to understand this, okay? Put yourself in the eyes of this, in the, in, the, in the shoes of this father. He says, my daughter can die at any moment, Jesus. She's at the point of death. Would you come and help me? And he says, I'll go. And they start on their way. And I'm sure this guy's thinking to himself, yes, we're going to be able to help my daughter. And as they're going, there's people following him. And some woman touches Jesus. And Jesus stops. And he asks this question. Who touched me? And this guy's probably thinking to himself, what are you doing? Do you know that my daughter could die at any moment? Why are, you, why are we wasting time? Look what it says. And straight, uh, verse 30, And Jesus immediately, knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, Now, you got to understand, the disciples, they, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't think they were being rude, but, you know, notice how they answered, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? The disciples are, Jesus, are you serious? Everyone's touching you. Everyone, you know, it's like, everyone's just trying to get to Jesus, they just want to touch Jesus, they want to be around Jesus, and you, you stop and ask, Who touched you? I mean, everybody's touching you. And he looked round about to see her that had done the thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. Now, you got to understand this, okay? They're on their way to heal this girl. A woman touches Jesus. Jesus turns around and says, Who touched me? Because he felt virtue come out of him. The disciples says, What are you talking about? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. He looks at the woman, the woman comes down and says, you know, she admits the fact that she's touched him. And he says, you've been healed. You said, thy faith has made thee whole. Now look at verse 35. While he yet spake, he's talking to the woman. There came from the ruler of the synagogue's house a certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why trouble is now the master any further? Now you've got to put yourself in the, in the shoes of the set. He had to thought himself, what? We were almost there. If Jesus would not have stopped to talk to this woman that touched him, we could have come there. We could have healed. Did they come ask? All this is happening. They said, hey, it's done. Don't worry about it. She's dead. Don't even have him come. Now notice what Jesus does. He turns around and notice what he says. 
soon as Jesus heard the words that were spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, notice what he says, be not afraid, only believe. You can read the rest of the story there, Jesus goes on to resurrect that young girl. But what does Jesus say? Because you can, you can just, just sense the emotion. They come to him, they say, hey, don't worry, she's already dead. You didn't make it in time. And Jesus turns around and he understands. Jesus knows what the opposite of faith is. And he knows this guy, you know, he, he can almost, you know, you can almost just feel this guy's just whole attitude just kind of drop. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. He says, be not afraid. He said, just believe. Because the opposite of fear is belief. Now, you can understand this, okay? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, I have actually been surprised. Since I've been a pastor, I have had so many people come up to me. And they'll say, you know, pastor, I struggle with fear. And to me, like, I didn't know that there was such a problem with fear. But people are afraid of a lot of things. And people live in fear of a lot of different things. But you've got to understand this. Whenever you're afraid of anything, it's because you have a lack of faith. And Jesus is constantly telling people in the Bible, He says, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Oh, ye of little faith. He says, why don't you believe? He, in some of the passages, he says, where is your faith? He asked him, he says, why are you afraid? Second Timothy 1.7, look what he says. For God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and here's the key word, and of a sound mind. I think a lot of people deal with a lot of, you know, depression and discouragement, and they go through a lot of stuff, and it's because they're afraid. But if they would increase their faith, you cannot have faith and fear. If you have fear, it's because you have a lack of faith. And if you have faith, you will not fear. Look, I'm not afraid today. You know, I'm not worried, am I going to die and go to hell one day? I believe that I will go to heaven if I die. And, and you know, sometimes you say that to people and they're like, well, that's arrogant. But it has nothing to do with me. It's not because I live a good life. It's not because I'm the pastor of a church. It's not because of anything I've ever done. It's because I know that the Bible says that when I place my faith in Jesus Christ and I ask Him to save me, then He will save me. And I have faith. I believe what the Bible says. And I have confidence to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. I'm not afraid of that. But today people are afraid to die. Today people are afraid, you know, financially. They're afraid with all sorts of things. They deal with all sorts of fear. And I would probably, you know, guarantee that every one of us, in some area in our life, there's something we're afraid of. But if we would exercise faith in that area, then you would begin to see that fear go away. Because the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit. But a power and a love and a sound go, go back to Matthew 21. I just want to show you a couple verses and we'll be done, okay? Matthew 21. I, this, is kind of, this is just an introductory sermon. I want you to understand what faith is. Faith is trusting God based on His Word with no physical evidence. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We have to come to God in faith. We have to believe in creation through faith. We get saved by faith. And faith is the opposite of fear. And if you're afraid of anything, if you're dealing with any sort of fear, if you're just, you said, I'm afraid of this situation, I'm afraid of, of, of what's going to happen in this area of my life, I'm afraid, if there's any fear in your heart, it's because you have a lack of faith. And we're going to spend a lot of time over the next few weeks talking about faith and increasing faith. Are you there in Matthew 21? 
Look at verse 19. See, God never intended for you to exercise faith for salvation and then leave it alone. God ex- intended for us to exercise faith in salvation and then walk in that faith. The just shall live by faith, is what the Bible says. You need faith to live the victorious Christian life. And you guys understand, here's why this series is so important, and here's why I, I hope you will study this, and I hope you will read Hebrews 11, and I hope you will read it, you know, try to just understand anything about faith, because faith is the key to living a power, uh, 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 the life of power with God. Right, if you're there in Matthew 21, look at verse 19. And when he saw the fig tree in the way, he came to it, and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, this is Jesus, he goes to a tree, he expects to see fruit, he gets upset if there's no fruit. And by the way, you're a tree, and God expects to see fruit from you too. And he's frustrated with fruitless trees. And he says, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently, the fig tree withered away. So Jesus goes to this tree. He wants some figs. There's no fruit on it, just a bunch of leaves. And he curses the tree. He says, let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Verse 20, and when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how soon is the fig tree withered away? And notice verse 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, verily I say unto you, if, not the big if, if ye have faith, and doubt not, ye shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. God, God told us that we can have the power of God on our lives, but here's how you do it, through faith. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I obviously don't, I, I don't have the faith that Jesus is talking about here, because I can't walk up to a tree and say, you know, pursue tree, and the tree just withers away. I can't go up to a mountain and say, be thou cast into the sea, and the mountain, but Jesus said that we could do it. But here's why, we've got to exercise faith, but you know why we don't have faith? Because we have a lot of fear. And why don't, why do we have fear? Because we don't understand faith. And Jesus constantly tells us, I was in, why don't you just trust me? Why don't you just believe me? I know there's a storm. I know the water's getting in the ship. I get it. But I told you we're going to the other side. Just stop being so... And you and I get afraid. But you've got to understand this. Go back to Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. The Bible says that we were created for God's pleasure. That's what you were created to do. But you cannot please God without faith. You have to have faith to please Him. Now, here's, here's the good news. You say, man, you know, Pastor, man, that's me. I, I'm afraid of certain things. I'm afraid, you know, and, and look, you got to understand this. Go, go, go to Luke chapter 17. We're going to look at two passages and we'll be done. Luke 17. you got to understand this. They, I'm preaching this to you, and there are things from time to time that I think to myself, I, I'm afraid. You know, I'm afraid that, I'm telling you, just me personally, in, in this church, and ministry, sometimes I get afraid of things, I think, I don't know if we should do that, I'm just afraid that it's not going to work out. But you got to understand, when you start feeling that fear well up inside of you, you got to just understand that I have fear because of lack of faith. And if God tells me in His Word that I'm supposed to do something, then I should do it. Now, I shouldn't do foolish things, but if His Word tells me to do it, I should do it. Now, here's the good news. Maybe you say, I get afraid from time to time. I'm fearful of certain things. Here's the good news. Luke 17, 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Do you know that your faith could be increased? You're not stuck with the amount of faith you have right now. Your faith can grow. 
Your faith can be increased. Your faith can, 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 can you can be, have a greater faith tomorrow than you did today. You say, well, how do we do that? How do we get there? Go back to Romans 10. We already saw it, but let's just say it one more time. Romans 10, 17. We're kind of making one full circle and we're starting, you know, we're ending where we started. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more exposure you have to God's word, the more faith it will produce in your life. Because faith is connected to one thing, this book. And if you're afraid, if you're fearful, it's because you're not getting enough of this book. And you know, my, my goal and my prayer for you would be for the next few weeks, as we study the subject of faith, that you would come and you would learn and you would understand and you would take notes and you would study on your own and you would read on your own. Because the more faith, you say, how do I get faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more of God's word you hear, the more you read, the more you get taught, the more you understand God. And, and you know, it's going to be very encouraging as we go through these stories of Abel and Enoch and Moses and Abraham and Sarah and all these great, you know, these giants of the faith because we'll be able to see in their life where they were asked of God to do things that they, they didn't know how it was going to work out. They didn't know what was going to happen. They couldn't see the end result, but they believed God's word. And they took the steps. And you and I are called to take certain steps. And there are things that God is going to ask you to do, that the Word of God is going to tell you to do, and you're going to say, I know the Bible says to do that, but I'm just afraid. You're going to increase your faith. And when you increase your faith, that fear will begin to go away. When Peter had his eyes on Christ, and he's walking on water, he had no fear. You know how we know he had no fear? Because he was walking on water. He actually walked on water. But the moment he began to get afraid... He began to sing. He said, well, what can I do? When you have faith, you can do things that you normally would not be able to do. Can anybody here walk on water? I can. Peter couldn't. But he could when he wasn't afraid. That's what you and I need. You know, so people say to me, I want to go swimming, but I'm afraid. Get some faith. And that fear was upset. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we love you. Thank you for our church, Lord. I know tonight was very much of a uh, a lesson as we begin to study the subject of faith. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to just realize the importance of faith. And the importance that faith plays in our lives. It's not just something that we believe when we got saved, we, we had faith. But you expect us to walk in faith. And when we walk by faith, we're not going to be able to see things just perfectly. Things are not going to lay out, you know, exactly how we want them to. We may have to step out and just trust you. But as long as we're trusting you based on your word, as long as we're doing something that the word of God has told us to do, we believe Peter could walk on water because Jesus told him he could. And he had no fear. But as soon as we get afraid, as soon as we begin to doubt, as soon as we get worried, We are of little faith. Lord, I just pray you'd help us to realize the importance of faith in our lives. Remember that faith is trusting in God based on his word with no physical evidence. We love you, Lord. In your precious name, amen.